0: Welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast, everyone. My name is Steve Carter and in association with my good friends at CDF Capital, Food for the Hungry, who's just doing amazing work around the world. They're partnering with churches, helping people. You can learn more at fh.com. Org, The Ascent Leader is another incredible partner. Um, that's actually who I run the craft and character communication cohorts through. It's led by Sean Morgan, uh, aka Viper. I love that guy. Um, but he, he oversees it and he is all about getting key leaders, leaders who have just gone through succession um, and are just have taken the baton or leaders who are wanting to get better at the craft and character of communication uh, in living rooms with other mentors and key coaches to help shape them and guide them. You can learn more at the ascentleader.org. And then lastly, we've got a new partner and I'm so excited about this. You're going to hear more about it. Um, and it's with Preaching Today. And I'm excited because the Crafting Character podcast is going to be like their flagship uh, podcast for PT. It's also going to be a part of the CT Christianity Today network. And so, so many exciting things. Um, but today I wanted to do Something different. I I've been thinking about this for a while because uh, you all you all email me, which I love. You all email me questions, saying, "Hey, I'd love for you to you know interview this person." And and some of them I I try, um, and I'm gonna continue to try. But a lot of times, you just email me questions around the craft of communication, and sometimes I can use those questions with people that I'm conversing with but there has been a question that has just kind of come up again and again and again. And it's about how to dig deeper in the text, how to actually mine the text for an idea, a thought, some nugget, some transferable concept that can apply and be wildly accessible to your congregation. Now remember, when you're preaching, It's about having a conversation with the congregation. Uh, Everybody communicates, but few connect, as John Maxwell says. And when we can actually dig deeper, understanding the heart, the ethos, the why behind this text and why it was written in the first place, it gives us a clarity at which we can present and preach, teach, and shape and form people into the way of Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. I'd love for you to grab your Bible. Uh, You might be driving, uh, so you can't. Just keep driving. Uh, But maybe you're in your office, or maybe you are just kind of seated in your living room with a nice cup of coffee and your Bible beside you. But what I want to do is I want to walk you through just a couple ways that I think, if if you really hold on to this, if you really grab hold of this, it's actually going to affect your preaching this coming Sunday. I mean, literally, I I really believe this. this. This has changed the way that I do my devotionals. It's changed the way that I preach. It's changed the way at which I consistently approach the text. It's not very difficult. I think any one of us can do this. Many of you already do this, but maybe this will be familiar language or new language, but it will really, really help you just... Dig deeper. So, if you have a Bible, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Um, This isn't really a teaching that I'm going to do. I just was trying to think of a passage of scripture and I just felt like this one is familiar, yet not so much. It's familiar in the sense that it's from the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever told, Jesus preaching, but it's not really familiar because I don't think it's something that we often talk about. So, Matthew chapter six, let's go verses one through four. All right, Matthew six, verses one through four, I'm reading in an NIV, it says this, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, reward you. Now, in four verses, there's one word that's used three times, which always catches my kind of imagination, just kind of triggers some kind of sense of, man, that's, that's fascinating. Jesus is using a word multiple times, and that word is reward. reward. He's talking about practicing a version of righteousness And the motivation of practicing that righteousness is not to try and bring honor and glory to God, but that is about trying to be seen by others. And he he says this line that's so fascinating. If you do, if you practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. And then he talks about, Hey, if you do it in secret, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, now I just want to play off this idea of reward, right? Because I think oftentimes we can do things where we're trying to curry, um, the favor, the applause. Uh, We're trying to do stuff to be seen as relevant or we're reaching for people to kind of see us in a certain way. And and this this happens. This happens in the ways that preachers tell stories. This happens in the ways in the, which we center ourselves often as the hero of the story. Um, this is often what we can do in in ways in how we post online. Right. And and really deep down, the motivation is not to try and bring honor and glory or maybe, maybe it's there somewhere, but but the higher percentages to be seen by other people, to see, be seen as you know, relevant or to be seen as uh, just important, to be seen in a way that, um, yeah, just I, I think it's, it's literally to gain their applause or their approval. And, and so I say all this because when we're putting together a teach, you think about Jesus as speaking to a group of people, and, and he's he speaking the Sermon on the Mount, and there's, there's thousands of people who have come out to hear from this rabbi. And, and when, when Jesus is speaking, I think he understands that all of humanity, since Genesis 3, has struggled with an ache. And the truth is that every person who is in your youth ministry, who's in your college ministry, who's stepped into your church plan, or who's been a part of your church for 20-some years... They have an ache and and this ache is the reason why they've come out to listen to this rabbi on the Sermon on the Mount. This is why they fought through traffic and, you know, or got online to watch this message or to literally like put their kids through, you know, uh, the the kids programming and get them all ready and get into service at 9am or 10am or 11am because they have an ache And oftentimes when we are trying to teach, I think sometimes we're unaware of the ache. Some people call this the felt need. But you have to be able to kind of discern what is the ache that this text is speaking to. Now, when you're teaching and writing messages, it's not just necessarily ache, but you also have to understand that your congregation, your students, your leaders people in your church and the pews or the chairs or the, the auditorium seats, they don't just have an ache; they have a desire. And, and truth be told, many, many pastors over the last number of decades have shamed desires. So we have a whole bunch of people who are sitting in our churches who don't know what to do with their desires. And so sometimes they, they, they almost self-sabotage because they're, they're, they're afraid that these desires might actually Be bad when in turn God created these desires, put these good desires in them. And a great teach, a great teach is this guide to help people understand what to do with those good desires. So whenever you're writing a message, you gotta think about this. What's the ache of the text? Whether that Jesus or Paul or this old testament writer is is speaking about, but then what what is the desire it's wanting? to call people in and call people up and call people out. This is what teachers have to think about. But it's not just about the ache and it's not just about the desire. You have to understand that the context at which God has placed you, there are strongholds. There's strongholds. There's strongholds in the culture of your church that somehow the enemy like has it. Maybe, maybe it's just by busyness. Maybe it's by just doing, maybe it's by just receiving and consumerism, but even outside your church context, there are strongholds. I remember when I was in Chicagoland and the city at which our church was in, there was a lot of pressure put on these high school students and it wasn't just pressure for them to go to college. It was pressure for them to go to certain Big Ten schools and Ivy League schools because that was what was assumed to them. I mean, I grew up and the stronghold was peer pressure. There's no peer pressure really there. It was, it was self-imposed, the pressure that they just felt internally. And, and oftentimes when I would speak to the high school students, I, I could see this stronghold and I felt like I needed to speak against it. And so whenever you're, you're speaking and teaching, you got to keep in mind, what, what's the ache? What's the desire and what's the stronghold? That if people actually do this, they're going to literally be able to go against the enemy's control. The stronghold that's holding this part of precious real estate in the church, this part of precious real estate in your city or county or state, kind of under the enemy's thumb and grasp at foothold. And so this is just what I think about that, the ache, the desire, the stronghold. So, so just think about this from, from Matthew six, one through four. What do you think the ache is? What do you think the ache is? Well, I I think the ache is that people want to be seen. Like they want to be seen as good and as righteous. And they, they, this ache of like, I want to be seen. Like I've got it together. And the ache often is, is instead of being able to like turn to God and actually trusting that they will find their identity in God's love, uh, they're finding it in what they're doing and how they are being seen by other people. And you know, what's so amazing is just that line is that you'll see throughout the Sermon on the Mount, they have received their reward in full. I just think It's genius. And Jesus is like, hey, if you want to like practice your righteousness in front of other people, fantastic. You've received a reward in full. Do you want to preach your sermon and make it about you? Great. You just received your reward in full. Like there's like you, you've got what you really wanted. You got what the, you filled your, your, the ache of your heart with being seen by people and you got it. You got a couple of people who liked your Instagram post because you curried for their favor. You got what you needed. You got what you wanted. But I think there's a deeper desire. And the deeper desire is to be seen by God, to be seen as righteous, to be seen as holy, to trust in what God says is true about you. And I think oftentimes in our strongholds, we have so much codependency going on. We have so much kind of curring and, and looking for other people's approval. This is this is, you know, in every place. And so again, you start thinking about this as you start to discern the text. Now, for many of us, we just run straight to a commentary. And I get it. I mean, there's some brilliant, brilliant minds. You know, Scott McKnight, you know, Golden Gay, Howard Wass. I mean, there is just some incredible anti Wright, incredible voices, incredible minds. I get it. I get it. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. They don't know your context unless they go to your church, but they don't know your context. You're the authority to the people because God has placed you there to those students, to those leaders, to the congregation. And so for you, you've got to be able to hold that intention saying, okay, what is the ache? What's the desire? What's the stronghold from this passage with my people? And then go, then go to the commentaries, then go to the wise sages and voices that I look to on a regular basis. Here's another way to think about it. All right, and you can think about this when you're when you're writing chapters, or you can think about this when you're you're writing messages. Is what's the problem? What's the problem that this writer is trying to address? What is the problem? See, the, see, sometimes when we are kind of trying to talk about our messages, we don't dig deep enough. And so, so, we, so we say things like, today I'm going to teach on fear. A fear of what? Fear is like so wide. But like, w- w- what what kind of fear? And today I'm going to talk about the fear of not being seen. And the fear of... No reward. You know what I mean? Like they're they're just all of a sudden, you're like fear of no reward. What are you talking about? Fear of not being seen. What are you talking about? But you have to be able to address that problem. And sometimes for me, this is one of the hardest, hardest parts of actually getting to the teach. I figured out the ache, I figured out the desire, figured out the stronghold. I've done my commentary research, studied the words like reward or scene or practice or righteousness from Matthew six, one through four. I've studied that. Now I've got to deduce it down to what's the problem. And then secondly, once I've nailed down the sentence, what's the problem, then what's my premise from God's word to address that problem? you have a problem, you've got a statement, you've got a question, you, you've got to actually dive into this. If I think about the, the book I wrote, The Thing Beneath the Thing, the question was, why do we do what we do? Or better said, why do I do what I do? Based on Romans seven fifteen, I do not understand what I do. The good I want to do, I just don't do. The thing I hate, I do. So why do we do what we do? When the good is before us, why do I? Choose the thing I hate. So again, there was a problem. Paul's addressing, I don't understand what I do. Why do we do what we do? Now you have to create a premise, the premise built on God's word that's actually going to address that problem, that's going to speak to the ache. It's going to call out, call in, call up those desires. That will entail that if people put this to practice, we'll literally address those cultural strongholds. So ache, desire, stronghold, commentaries, more questions, dying, diving deeper into the problem, into the premise. Now this, when you can actually articulate the problem and the premise, then what you can do is you can offer up a picture, a promise of what people's life would be like if they stopped trying to be seen by others, as they stopped trying to practice their righteousness or tried to make themselves the hero or center themselves, that they could actually trust that their life was shaped and formed by God's words, by his identity, by his love, like what their life could be like and how they could flourish and participate in the renewal and the restoration of all things. And so sometimes we're really good at addressing the problem. And sometimes we're good at addressing the problem and the premise, but we don't really give people a vision of what this will look like, a picture, a promise of what this will mean for their life. And then sometimes many of us, we like to speak to the promise. But we really haven't addressed the problem. And we haven't really given people clear, practical steps that address the premise that go after the problem. So for me, this is just something I think about, that if you can begin to do this, you're going to see it. From here, I typically take it into no cards and manuscripting and pacing. We'll maybe get to that at some point. But deep down, what I just want you to think about is can you address the ache? Now, sometimes for me, if I'm going to a church I'm really, really familiar with, I just think about people at all walks of life. I'm trying when I speak to talk to a sixth grader, to a scholar. And so sometimes I'll think about a junior high student. What's the ache? What's the ache? Everything inside them is said, Dude, do what you can to be seen by others. TikTok, Instagram, college students, be seen if you're not seen like you're missing out and if you if if you're not seen then people aren't going to invite you somewhere and they're not going to give you opportunities and they're going to see you in a certain way as less than relevant not great not anything to like all of a sudden all of a sudden these strongholds and these aches and then you get people who are trying to be seen and it's like this drug and it has to keep going and all of a sudden these these overwhelming Senses of anxiety and the studies that people are doing is they're, they're, they're researching, researching the impact of people who are just trying to find their life, seeking and searching the approval of others. So again, you, you've got this desires, you've got these aches, you've got these strongholds. As you dive into it, you begin to talk about practice or righteousness or being seen or reward And then all of a sudden, as you start to think about the problem, what's the problem for your context? And maybe there's a premise there that God actually showcases something, whether around identity, whether around belonging, whether around knowing yourself, whether around your true self, whether around focus, that actually then if they did this, what their life could look like. And it's in that that all of a sudden, you've just been able to take this really wide concept and bring it to a place that feels wildly accessible. This is the beauty of the spoken word. I mean, we're straight from the jump, Genesis one, you get darkness hovering over the chaos and the Lord speaks, let there be light. And every time that you dive into God's word, every time you lean in, I praying, I'm praying that you would experience in the messy, dark, chaotic, uncertain, times that we live in that God would inspire you and that there would be light, that your words through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the truth that was showcased to us through the scriptures and the life of Christ and the love of the Father, that there would be a light that would bring order to the chaos, that somehow you would call in, call up, call out those good desires that speak to the heartache that people are feeling, that go after the cultural strongholds and present a picture and a promise of what a life in Christ could truly look like. Friends, I love these kinds of conversations. I love getting the chance to interview people. We've got some amazing interviews coming up. Um, but every once in a while, I just want to take a moment and just try to address your questions. Maybe there's more questions you have. You can always email me, Steve at Steve I love, love interacting with you. And um, be on the lookout because we got some exciting things happening. Um, I'm really excited about this next cohort with Dave Stone. We got some amazing mentors, Uh, about eight or nine people who just get in the living room. They go on this journey for a year. Dave watches your talks, he picks them apart. spend time with amazing mentors, people like Chris Brown at North Coast, who's just an amazing storyteller. Uh, some amazing voices like Rich Velotis. I mean, other, other incredible communicators, Danielle Strickland. I mean, just, just some amazing friends that I want to introduce you that you get to spend time in their living room and they really just unpack, open up their life, their heart, their prep, their process to help you. Just learn a couple more ways at which you can speak the voice that God has given to you with an authority, with a conviction, uh, with a power that doesn't center you, but centers Christ. And doesn't point people to you, it points people to the kingdom and a life flourishing in the way of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, friends, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it. You can uh, rate, I guess, leave a review that, that people say is really, really helpful. Um, but with that, um, please check out food for the hungry, FH.org. Check out the Ascent Leader if you want to learn more about the cohorts that we're doing, whether it was succession, you maybe you just were handed the baton. You need some help, man. I'll just tell you what. There's some incredible uh, succession cohorts that we're doing led by the one, the only Sean Morgan, and then the Craft and Character Communication Workshops. And um, I'm overseeing that whole venture. And we've got some amazing people, people like Dave Stone, Nancy Beach, and others who are amazing, amazing coaches. So, um, and again, just reach out if you need anything, but my brothers and sisters, May you discover the ache. May you have insight into the good desires. And may you have the eyes to see the strongholds and the words to encourage and equip your people to go after them. May you love, enjoy the process a little bit more each and every time, diving deeper into the heart and the word. And may you be able to articulate the problem, give practical steps, that help people through God's word, address that problem and create a picture that helps people see the promise that can come from living life as Christ invites us to. Much love everyone, grace and peace.